Today's scriptures are from Book of Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Here is a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run for the mill, run of the mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind, you be kind. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life given back, but not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Gabriella, for reading that. Has anybody told you today that you're the beloved of God? You are, beloved sons, beloved daughters. I have a question to some, some of the high school students here. What languages are you taking? Just shout it out. What are, you, what are you taking? Anybody taking a foreign language? Spanish? What Spanish are you in, Anna? Four. You're in Spanish four. Um, what do you have to take before you get to Spanish four? Spanish one, two, and three. Okay, good. Uh, are any of you in algebra? You're in algebra. Are you in algebra one or two? You're in algebra one. Okay. Anybody taken algebra two? Okay. What did you have to take before you took algebra two? Algebra one. Okay. Things haven't changed. I just wanted this as a reality check. Just wanted to make sure that things were still happening like that. Uh, for those who have been through college, you know that um, get to a 501 class, you have to first take a 101 class, and then maybe a 201 class, or a 301 class, before you get to the advanced classes in whatever field we're studying. Today's scriptures that Gabriella read to us are not Christianity 101. They're really advanced coursework. They're more Christianity 401 or 501. This is not introductory Christianity. This is advanced Christianity or mature Christianity, and it is not for the faint of heart. And Jesus even begins this particular passage by saying, 
for those who have ears to hear, for those who really want to listen, for those who are really honest about seeking truth. You remember this sermon is a continuation from last week's passage, which began with the the Sermon on the Plain. The Gospel of Matthew has the Sermon on the Mount. The Gospel of Luke has the Sermon on the Plain. Perhaps hearkening back to the prophet Isaiah, who said, the valleys shall be lifted up and the mountains shall be brought low. Perhaps the gospel, of, gospel writer of Luke is hearkening back to the Magnificat, where Mary sings that the mighty shall be brought low and the lowly shall be lifted up. This is the Sermon on the Plain where people are on an equal playing field, where they are level with one another. Unless people have heard the Beatitudes, the blessed are they, I don't think they can hear the wisdom that Jesus drops in this passage. Unless we really know at a core level that we are the beloved of God and that God loves all people, I don't think it is possible for us to really hear Jesus say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. I don't think we can hear any of that at any heart level until we know God's mercy in our own life, until we know God's love for us and for all people at a very core level. I don't think we can get to the advanced class yet. Let me just say something about that last piece that Jesus said, Pray for those who abuse you. Notice he did not say, stay in those relationships. He said, pray for those who abuse you. If we are in abusive relationships, we need to get out of those relationships. We need to stop the cycle of abuse or violence in word or action. And we as a church need to advocate for those who are in abusive relationships and help them get out of those relationships and not rush too quickly to this wisdom of Jesus saying, pray for those who have abused you. That is not something that happens quickly or easily. And we need not blame ourselves for not being able to pray yet for those who have abused us. That will come, and when it comes, it will be liberating, and it will be freeing, and it will be from a place of strength, not a place of 
victimhood. What Jesus is describing in this is a glimpse of the kingdom of God, a glimpse of the reign of God, a glimpse of what it looks like when God is at work in people's lives. When people are forgiving and loving their enemies, take note wherever it is, whoever it is, because that is a glimpse of the reign of God. Wherever people are doing good to folks who have hurt them or hate them, take note, God is doing something. Whenever we see someone blessing someone who has cursed them, take note, God's handiwork is to be seen there. That may be a glimpse of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the reign of God. And whenever we see someone praying for one who has abused them, or hurt them, or oppressed them. That kind of spirituality can only come from God. Take note, because we may be standing on holy ground and witnessing a movement of the Holy Spirit. This sounds like Jesus is an extremist. Like maybe he's lifting something up that's impossible. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in a book called Why We Can't Wait, which reflects his letter to clergymen in Alabama in the early 1960s when he was arrested in Birmingham. He wrote a letter specifically addressed to clergymen who had said to Reverend King, wait, don't go so fast in your move to justice and inclusion. It's sounding extremist. One of those clergymen was a United Methodist bishop, Bishop Hardin, whose son was Paul Hardin, president of Drew University for a good number of years. He was, he was president when I was a student there. Good and faithful Methodist. His dad was one of the people addressed in Dr. King's letter on why we can't wait for justice, why we can't wait for all people to be treated with dignity. And he addressed this passage that we read today. But though I was initially disappointed at being categorized as an extremist. As I continued to think about the matter, I gradually gained a measure of satisfaction from the label. Was not Jesus an extremist 
for love? He said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Was not Amos an extremist for justice? Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Was not Paul an extremist for the Christian gospel? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Was not Martin Luther an extremist? Here I stand. I can do no other. And John Bunyan, I will stay in jail to the end of my days before I make a butchery of my conscience. And Abraham Lincoln, this nation cannot survive half slave, half slave and half free. And Thomas Jefferson, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists will we be? Will we be extremists for hate or love? Will we be extremists for the preservation of injustice or for the extension of justice. In that dramatic scene on Calvary's Hill, three men were crucified. We must never forget that all three were crucified for the same crime, the crime of extremism. Two were extremists for Im immorality and thus fell below their environment. The other Jesus Christ was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness, and thereby rose above his environment. Do you hear the wisdom of Dr. King and Jesus saying, if you want to follow Jesus, it really means being an extremist for love. I long for the day and hope for the day and believe in the day when United Methodists, when we will be known as extremists for love, a love for all people and all of creation. Unfortunately, it may take us a while to get there. And this week, we're going to be reading headlines about the United Methodists who are gathering as we speak in St. Louis for a special general conference where we will debate and discuss and unfortunately try and win an argument over who's right, over who's in, and who's out based on sexual orientation. And the headlines may read, the United Methodists don't welcome everyone.
Wouldn't it be something if we took to heart what Jesus is saying in this passage, if we took to heart Jesus' words and were known by them? You know that Jesus said nothing about homosexuality. There were gay and lesbian people 2,000 years ago in Jesus' day, but Jesus didn't address that as something that was important. He did address loving our enemies. He did address doing good to those who hate us. He did address blessing those who curse us. He did address praying for those who abuse us and oppress us. I dream of the day when people will hear, oh, you're Methodist? Would you please teach me how to love my enemies because I am having such a hard time with this. I don't know how to do that. But you who are Methodists, you've learned how to do this. Teach me, teach us. The world needs you to teach us how to love our enemies. I dream of the day when people will hear that we are Methodists and they'll say, oh, you have already figured out how to do good to people who hate you. How do you do that? Teach me. I dream of the day when people will come up to us out of the blue and say, I hear that you go to the Chatham United Methodist Church. Is it true that you all have figured out how to bless people who curse you out? What do you know on how to do that? Because I need to learn. I dream of the day when people will hear throughout the world, oh, are you Methodist? Are you really in the tradition of Jesus that learned from John Wesley? There is so much abuse and oppression out there in our world, but you Methodists have somehow figured out how to pray for those who once oppressed you and abused you. How in the world do you do that? I close with this. A prayer. Because, friends, I don't know any other way to get to mature Christianity like Jesus is teaching. I don't know how to get there other than by saying, as the youth sang today, I need you. I can't do this without God. I can't do this without praying. I can't do this without knowing that God is merciful to all people. So be ye merciful. This prayer I have found helpful this week. I share it with you. It is a prayer from unfolding light. God of love, I call to mind my enemies. I summon up your love for them and offer it humbly. 
I call to mind those who are hurtful. I pray for them that their hearts may be healed. For only wounded people wound others. I call to mind those who abuse me or oppress me or oppose me. I pray for them that they may know your blessing. I call to mind those who do what I see as evil. I pray for them that their hearts may be brought back to life. May I remember always the mystery that my enemy and I are one. For all are one in you. When I split myself from them, I am no different than when they split themselves from those they reject or condemn. In our condemning, we betray our oneness. We wound our own humanity. Therefore, even as I oppose them, may I remember their wound and honor our oneness. May I see them, even those who are cruel, as your beloved children. Even as I must oppose people for the sake of justice, may I stand against their injustice, but not against them. May I stand beside them in your love, even as I struggle to love them. I pray grateful and trusting that even when I fail, you do not curse me, but love me and bless me. By your Spirit in me, help me, O God, to love kindly, to do justice, to walk humbly with you in the Spirit and company of Jesus. Amen.